0: You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Getting Past Your Past. This series explores what could happen if, instead of feeling burdened by guilt, shame, and a sense of failure, we experience the freedom of letting go. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We are in our final week. Thank you for being here our final week of the series Getting Past Your Past. And for those who haven't uh, been a part with, week one, we talked about our identity that this was the first and foremost tool that we need uh, to keep our past from being a part of our present and messing up our futures that we need to know who we are in christ um, if you 've lived long enough you 've made mistakes and if you 've lived um, even longer you 've made a big mistake and what can happen is those mistakes, especially that big one, is they can begin to define us they can define who we are, but the great news is. Uh, What Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 that we looked at a couple weeks ago is that anyone who is in Christ, anyone that's in a relationship with Christ, is now a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So you just haven't, when you become a Christian, you just don't turn over a page in your life. You're like a whole new book. God has made you completely new. And others may see you from your past and you may view yourself as your past. But one of the things you need to stand firm in is God sees you for who you are in Christ. He doesn't see the mistakes of the past. He sees a perfection of Christ. And this is an amazing reality that theologians call the great exchange. That Jesus died for not his sin, for our sin. He paid the punishment for our sin. And we get the reward for his perfect life. And so we the first weapon in getting past your past... Is to stand firm in your identity. Last week we talked about the weapon of forgiveness. That everyone gets hurt by people to some degree or another, and those injuries are real, and those injuries are significant. Uh, but the, when we hold on to this pain, it, it imprisons us, and it, caught, and it and it keeps our past in our present. And nobody wins when you hold a grudge unless you're Taylor Swift. Then you make millions of dollars. And so, um, <laughs> but even but she's not winning either. Even though she got she has millions of dollars. For all these you know, a crazy amount of songs that she writes about her past, she's not free. She can't stop talking about it. She keeps singing about it and when you think it's done, she comes up with a new song that's even more her about her past than the, than the last one. She's got millions of dollars but she's not free. She's imprisoned by her past. But she does prove something. She proves that it's popular in human to hold on to a grudge. But If you want freedom... You won't hold on to a grudge. You'll forgive people. Forgiveness is a key that unlocks us from the pain of our past and frees us to love people in ways that we never, ever thought that we could love people. And we we get that power as we contemplate how Christ has forgiven us this unpayable debt, 3,000 lifetimes of, of, of pay. He forgave us, and now we have the power to forgive other people of significant offenses, but not... The same as what Christ has forgiven us. And getting recon- to reconciliation is such a big part of getting past our past. And today I want to look at the other side of reconciliation. So last week we talked about forgiveness. I want to get, look at the other side. And this one's a little harder because I think, I think we'd all quit. Yeah, people have hurt us. You know, I've been hurt. Um, I've, I've experienced pain. Uh, people have not been nice to me. People don't treat me the way I think I should be treated. We would all do that. But we're not so quick to admit that we are the ones who don't treat others well. We are the ones who have lied. We are the ones who made the mistake. And there's a reason for this. I read this article from this psychologist about why we won't forgive. Part of the reason why is what we talked about the first week, that we have a fragile sense of self. And we have a really difficult time disassociating our behavior from who we are. So if we, if we, to, it's so hard for us to apologize because if I say that I, my action was wrong, what we feel we're saying is, "I am wrong." Hey, Christ has set us free from that. Man, you're new in Christ. Your, your your mistakes don't define you, and as you know who you are, it will free you up to apologize. Another reason why we have a hard time, the psychologist says that um, of apologizing, that we are quick to apologize to relieve our guilt. So, if there's a serious something we've done seriously wrong, like you know we wrecked somebody's car or whatever, we want to relieve the guilt. But oftentimes we will fail to say i'm sorry" because the shame that we feel, which is actually far more important to us, far more toxic to us than guilt, but it 's so good to remember that Jesus not only bore our guilt but he bore our shame. So I want to talk about how i 'm to talk about saying i 'm sorry super exciting isn 't it? Um, I want to talk about apologizing i'm want to talk about actually this is one of the, the, the most important things that we can do, because the, the Bible's going to put a huge priority on that. And we're in Matthew 5, and so those verses were read, and I want to go over them again. I actually want to go over uh, just the two of the verses, 23 and 24. Jesus is in this relationship zone. He's talking about relationships and how important them are. And in this segment, uh, he's, saying, he's saying, so if you are giving a gift to the altar, so you're on your way to the temple, so in our context, you're on your way to church and you're getting ready to worship, check out what he says. He says, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. So what happens is you weren't thinking about it. You walked into the room and you saw him or you saw her and you're like, ooh, she's mad at me. Oh, he's upset with me. You can feel that there's not something, there's hurt feelings there. Verse 24 tells us, he says, leave your gift, Stop worshiping. And then he says this. He says, go. And this Greek word for go is something that implies intense action. It may mean you have to travel. It may mean you have to do something hard for it. You may have to overcome some opti- obstacles. But guess when he says that we should do it? First. You guys can read right. First. We could first. We are to do this first. In other words, there's something that has even a bigger priority than your gift at the altar. There's something that has a bigger priority than worshiping God. First and go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. Reconciliation with a brother and a sister, Jesus is saying, is more important than you coming and worshiping me. Matthew 18, we kind of hinted at this last week. It says it from the other angle. If you have something against your brother, if you have something against your sister, you need to go right now and make it right. This one says the opposite. If, if If your brother or sister has something against you, you go and make it right. What it's saying, regardless of whose fault it is, it's always our responsibility to go and to go now. It's not, well, they did the wrong, they come to me. Or you know whatever they are, we go to them. Now this is interesting, especially this passage because it says, you know, leave your leave your gift at the altar. Because I, you know, like it, throughout the Bible, it's like what's more important than worshiping God? The greatest commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So to be honest with you, I've kind of struggled with this. But what's helped me is when I start when I had kids, um, when our kids were younger, one of their favorite things to do was to pile into our bed on Saturday morning. So like, I mean, it was just like clock at 6.30. You know, when they were younger at 6.30, I mean, my wife and I, we could hear the sound of little feet coming down the hallway. And it was our favorite sound because we knew that like a snuggle bonanza was coming. And like, so just, we can hear the noise. And there was a prize spot, right, between mom and dad. That was like the spot. That was like, that was the place to be. And so, kids would race to get to that one spot, and most of the time, they were pretty peaceful about it, but every once in a while, they would get physical, and someone would be hurled off by their sibling, or really, it's more like an opponent, it seemed like, and then the hurler would do what, would take what they consider the rightful spot between mom and dad, and the hurled one would be in tears sometimes, and, you know, you meanie head. Now, as much as we want affection from our kids, um, what just happened in those moments was not immaterial to me. I wasn't like, well, yeah, come up here. That's between you two. You got, I'm, we're good, but that's between you two. That's not what we did. Kind of in a Jesus Matthew 5 kind of way. No, 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 no. Don't th- you, here, you don't throw her off the bed. You don't call him a meanie head. Uh, that's not what we do here. So you apologize for throwing him off the bed, and you, and you apologize for calling him a name. No one snuggles up to mom and dad until you get this right. And in so many ways, God is saying, don't come to me and like try to snuggle up with me when you know that you've got something with your brother and sister. That's not how this works. Leave your gift at the altar. Don't come in here and do your little church thing here, you know, nod at the preacher, raise your hands, serve a little bit, do a little bit, but inside you know that you have something against your brother, or you know your brother has something against you. Don't come and snuggle up against me. This There's, a, there's affection lost, not because he doesn't love it, because this matters to him. Just like with my kids, it matters to me how they treat each other. It's not immaterial. We don't the family, does, it, it's not like I can have this great relate when I know there's something there. You first reconcile and then come up. And so Jesus said something very similar in Matthew nine. Check this out. Who says together? Blessed are the what? Peacemakers. peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, when you think about this word or this verse, this word specifically, peacemakers, we often think of people who like want to make everybody happy, so they never want to rock the boat, and you know it's like. For dessert, you know, we'll get vanilla and chocolate so everybody's happy. And, you know, at Thanksgiving, we'll make every kind of bird there's out there. And because we want everybody happy. But notice that Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace keepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. And there is a world, a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. What do peacekeepers do? Peacekeepers often avoid confrontation, avoid conflict to keep peace. Let me just say this. If you avoid conflict, you will avoid people. People means conflict. We, when we do premarital for those getting married, one of the big sessions is conflict resolution, resolving conflict. Not avoiding it. It's like, hey, look, you're going to have it. Your closest relationships are going to have the most conflict. The key to great relationships is not avoid. If you avoid Conflict, you'll have mediocre relationships at best. If you want to have great relationships, you resolve conflict. You deal with it. Now, yeah, I mean, don't be a peace destroyer. Don't, like, go around and be overcritical and just share your opinion. You have no intention of, you just want to, like, share your opinion. If you're a peace destroyer, you have no friends. That's not what he's talking about, but he's saying, look, it's, I just don't want you to keep things on the surface. I just don't want you to have this thing. Let's just all be nice. Let's all be together. Like, let's not deal with the issue. If you don't deal with the issue, you're not actually getting to where he wants it. There's something far better than peacekeeping. It's peace making. So how do you do, how do you transfer from being a peacekeeper to a peacemaker? I mean, again, if you're a peace destroyer, um, you know, that's a whole different message. But a peace keeper to peacemaker. Number one, know that conflict is not your foe, but your friend. So don't avoid it. Conflict, don't avoid conflict, but embrace it. Conflict is not your foe, but your friend. It's a golden opportunity, actually, to demonstrate where you're really at. And it feels scary because the relationship's at risk, because feelings are expressed, and It's just scary. It's really scary. And But if it's handled well, you can actually make the relationship stronger, not weaker. You know, if your bone is broken, it's, it's obviously vulnerable and weak and painful. But if set right, if handled right, that place where the bone is broken is actually stronger than if it was never broken before. And I was talking to someone last week, coaching them through a conflict that they had with a friend. And this friend was just like, man, I don't want to deal with it. I just want blue skies. Like, I just don't, I want the birds to sing again. I just want to get past this. I don't want to deal with it. I just rather act like it never happened encouraged them, hey, you know, get back in the ring, do this, and they put the issue front and center, and it got, and the report back was like, I feel like our relationship is better than if we never had this conflict in the first place, and that's what happens. When you go through this, and you actually mend that relationship, conflict can actually be something that uh, pushes your relationship, because you're, because you're vulnerable with each other, you express how much you care about, you trust, all kinds of good things that happen, Number two, though, to, to be a peacemaker, you have to let go of pride. And this is the big one. This is the big one. The greatest enemy to peacemaking is pride. The greatest friend is humility. Uh, you show me any relationship with tension. I mean any relationship. I've, I mean just in my own relationships and just all the relationships I've seen as a, as a pastor, very rarely is there like one person, it happens, but it's rare, that one person is like 100% at fault. And there's someone who's at no percent fault. In every tension, there's always two proud people who will not, who refuse to apologize because they put it on the other person. Now, you may think that they're 100% wrong, and that's part of the problem. So, one of your greatest enemies to, being, to, to peacemaking is pride. I'll, if you show anyone with tension, I'll show you two proud people who say, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Again. He, hey, I hate to keep mentioning her, Taylor Swift, Katie, whoever, like whatever girl is out there who sings in her genre, she's got a beef with. And are, um, you know, back in the day, West Coast and East Coast hip hop, no one was willing to apologize and all kinds of things went wrong. Sorry. Did I miss some people that can come back? I missed some people in that. Um, we got like really young people and then we have some older people, but we don't have like You know, you know, meet 40s. And so um, I often miss. My analogy is often like miss. Anyway. Does that mean anything to you, East Coast, West Coast? No? Okay. But no one's willing to apologize. They want to hold on. So pride keeps them from... from, So I'm not going to apologize until they apologize first. Again, in almost every conflict, there's two people wrong. So I don't care if the other person's like a massive jerk. You need to figure out where you can apologize. Well, this is something Paul says in Romans 12:18. 18. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So that person has to deal with them. But as far as it depends upon you, this is how you make, this is how you have great relationship. You own your Part, even if you were like 1% wrong and they were 99% wrong, you go and you own your 1%. And by the way, I don't recommend using percentages. Like, don't, <laughs> you, that isn't, unless it's 100%, it's not gonna achieve peace. The point here is that we are all wrong in some way. And it takes humility to be more aggressive on what you've done wrong than they've done wrong. In most cases, we just want to point at the other person for what they've done wrong. And it's killing us. But if you humble yourself, you elevate the relationship over yourself. And you elevate the relationship over being right, and that's where a lot of us are. We're like We, we want to hold on to being right because we get identity out of that. If I say I'm sorry, I'm admitting I'm not right, and you can't handle that because you have a fragile sense of self. But how much could God do in your heart if you would take pride and replace it with humility, not just being a peacekeeper and certainly not a peace destroyer, but a peacemaker? Start to owning your part. So I'm going to talk about apology. I'm just going to be very practical. I'm just give us a few ways of how we apologize uh, to other people in, in, in this room and, and to each other. Because uh, there's a wrong way, and quite honestly, there's a, there's a right way and, and there's, a, there's a wrong way. Don't ever, for example, don't ever say, I'm upset. You, I'm, you know, I, I'm sorry you're upset. I just want you to know that I'm sorry I'm upset. That's, that's not an apology. It's a cop-out. Uh, and it's insulting. I mean, you're basically saying, you know, if you were a normal person, you wouldn't be upset. But hey, if I hurt, if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry I did that. Like, it's just not, now you have two things to apologize for. The, what you did and, like, your apology was not helpful. And then if you're the one receiving the apology, so that's, if you're the one receiving the apology, because, I mean, hopefully in a church, like in a community like this, like some of your closest relationships are going to be in this room. I mean, if we're doing church right, that'll certainly be true. And so, um, you know, if we're close, we're going to have conflict, and we're going to have to forgive each other and apologize. Yay! And, uh, and so what you don't do, if, you're, if someone comes and apologizes to you today, you don't say, you know what, you didn't do number four very well. You know, this is, you know, three and two and three were strong, three was okay, four was lame. So you don't do that, you don't, you like, you meet them. So here, here's, here's how community is awesome when people are like leaning in over the line and being aggressive in forgiving. And then when people over here are going over the line and being aggressive in apologizing. Now that's not our world, is it? We've got a world that does not want to forgive. And that does not want to apologize until the other person does this. I mean, how's that working out for us? It's not working so well. So here are five things. If you've taken notes, you jot these out. In your apologies, I want to encourage you to be specific. Be specific about actions. Be specific about attitudes. I lied. I, I uh, humiliated you. Be very specific. And then sometimes it's not so much what you do, it's also about what you don't do. Like, I didn't call. I didn't protect. I didn't engage. It's about what you did do, but it's also about what you don't do. And then kind of a 1B, I kind of include, so invite them to add to the list. So you come prayerfully, like, hey, here, say, you know what, I've I've noticed there's been some, like, distance in our relationship. I I can feel that things aren't, right? And as I've prayed and thought about it, here's where, here's where I believe I've been wrong, and I want to apologize for this. And then you say, is there any other way that I've wronged you? Now, that's not this casual, like, hey, I'm sorry if I've ever did anything wrong. You're not doing that way. You're waiting to hear the specific before you give the apology. You're, you're giving them the opportunity to speak into that so they can be heard and so there can be reconciliation. Because you can apologize and you're like, yeah, that, that did hurt, but this was actually worse. And, and you may not be aware. Uh, if you're a man, you're most definitely not aware. And so there may be, <laughs> it's helpful to get that kind of feedback. And here's something, just listen. Because guess what? They're going to exaggerate. I, I'll go ahead and just tell you that right now. They're going to they're say things because what they're expressing, a fe- they, 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 the, the hurt is real and it's deep. And they're going to express things. They're going to say you never, you always, they're going, to use, they're going to be general. And you're going to, I mean, sometimes it's helpful to ask clarifying questions like, well, can you give me an example for learning? But you've got to be careful. Don't be defensive. But just to listen, to, to own it, to reap it. And secondly, don't make excuses. Whatever you do, do not make excuses. You know, the reason why I spend so much money because you're a cheapo and you never buy me anything. And The reason why I never come home, you know, because I have to work really hard because you're spending all the money. Like, you just like, you just make excuses Poor Taylor Swift. And so, like, uh, what's the title of her new song? Look, you're embarrassed to say, I know. (laughs) Look what you made me do. This is, I got excuses for the way I am. And we just like fire, just like want to shoot each other in those times, making excuses. Don't make excuses. They're the ask for forgiveness. They'll just say, I'm sorry, but this is, this is powerful. This is where reconciliation happens. I mean, you may apologize, and they may be like, I don't accept this. And, and that's people, like I said, it, it, our, col- it, w- our culture is, is class A at holding a grudge. We love holding a grudge. Makes us feel in a weird, sick way powerful. So sometimes people won't accept your apology, and that's okay. But ask for forgiveness. Ask for, it. and it'd be so healing because for them to forgive is so is so helpful. And, and maybe they've already forgived you, but to express those feelings of sorrow that you're expressing, and then you, and for them to express their feelings of forgiveness can be so, so, so helpful. Fourthly, accept the consequences. Accept the consequences. Um, You know, Zacchaeus is a great picture of what it means to say I'm sorry and to repent. There's great examples in the Bible. He's one of the best. You can read about that in Luke 19. But when he discovered that he had done wrong, he said, this is what I know I've done wrong and I want to accept the consequences. I want to give 50% of my money to the poor, and if you know anyone I've wronged, because maybe I, here's the people I know I've wronged, and i want to make that right, but if there's anyone that you know that I've wronged, I want to pay them back four times. I accept the consequences. Here's what I've done wrong. And can someone tell me if there's anything else I've done wrong? Because I want to make it right, and I'm willing to accept the consequences. I'm helping a guy right now through and in, in getting him through Um, some restoration. And it's not working because he won't accept the consequences. So he'll give this kind of vague apology and will ask for forgiveness. But when the consequences begin to seep to the surface, when he begins to realize that he's going to have to, he backs off the apology. Not willing to accept the consequences. If you're not willing to accept the consequences, you're not really sorry. You're not really sorry. Sorry. And if you're not really actually, here's another thing. You're not really sorry if you're not really actually to repent before God. So you know you're giving this kind of emotional, I don't want to feel guilty, I'm sorry. When you say I'm sorry to someone, but you never actually do business with God. You never say, I've hurt. So you say to the person, I, I'm sorry I hurt you. But if it never becomes like, oh my gosh, I, that's, I, you've never like confessed that to God. It's a signal to you that you just gave an emotional, I don't want to feel guilty apology. Again, this is to help you. Please don't use this against people who are apologizing to you. Please don't say, I don't think you're sincere. Please don't do that. Take their lame apology. You be the one to go over the line and give forgiveness. I'm just saying for us who are apologizing... Be willing to embrace. And then finally, change your behavior. If you can, offer a plan how you will change. Hey, you know what? I know i burned trust. Here's my plan of how I want to build trust. And then, again, ask them again, is there anything I can do to help build trust in our relationship? Because that's what I want to do. I, I want to be different. Repent- repentance is not thinking about change. It's not hoping you'll change. It is change. It's turning around and going in a different direction. So to repent is to walk in another way. What it would it look like if you and I took this verse seriously? So this verse says that we should make our number one priority: reconciling with anyone that has something against us, regardless of the percentages. It says that we should be willing to be so quick to offer an apology. Regardless of who we think is this person's this wrong, this person, but whatever it is to you, what is keeping you from doing What's stopping you from doing it? What's stopping you from apologizing? Is it pride? Is it just like, I don't want to admit that I'm wrong? Maybe it's just fear. Maybe you're scared, like, well, if I admit where I'm wrong, they'll just pounce on me and say, yeah, you are wrong, and then they'll just heap stuff on me. You've got to make yourself vulnerable. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, like Jesus Christ has given us real weapons to overcome this. He's given us a rock-solid identity that we, that we don't have to care what other people think, not in a casual, like, I just, you know, I'm going to be hard inside and not be soft towards you. But actually, we know that we have, we know that we are at peace with God, with where we're at. And that will cause you to go out in strength and cause you to be open and vulnerable. Is it pride? Is it not wanting to admit you're wrong? Is it fear of how they'll respond? We live in a culture where everyone from artists to politicians refuse to do this. One more Taylor Swift quote. It's a good rule in life to never apologize. The right sort of people do not want apologies, and the wrong sort take a mean advantage of them. Is that what you think? Jesus wants to create in us a new society. He wants to to set us up like a city on a hill. He wants to demonstrate what his kingdom is like, his kingdom where there is freedom, where there is forgiveness, where there is wholeness, where there is reconciliation. He wants to demonstrate a power through, in and through us that the world just can't get. The world is unwilling to let go of their sense of self. The, willing, the world is unwilling to lower themselves and humble themselves. And we can look to Jesus. We can look to him who humbled himself, who took the form of a servant, and on the cross, just utter humility. And when he was dying for us, nobody thanked him. Oh, I said, thank you, Jesus. It's amazing. We kept mocking him when he was trying to forgive us. Christ wants to build in us an ability to forgive others. And he wants to put in us an ability to humble ourselves and to say, I'm sorry, as far as it is to us and he 's inviting you to do that he 's inviting you in to make a real authentic difference in the areas that all society wants to see they want it, they want it they just don 't want to do it They want somebody else to do it, but we can do it we 've been given the power to forgive and to apologize and only if you forgive and only if you apologize will you truly be able to get free from your past.